I'm Shannon. I'm Emma. And welcome to This Podcast Doesn't Exist. I surprised you. Yeah, because we've just been sitting here with our mugs of tea, like doing our little warm-up talk. And by warm-up, I mean like waiting to make sure Audacity doesn't crash. Not that we're sitting here like... We're just hanging out. (laughs) (laughs) Just murping. Murping and derping. Put that on the merch. <laughs> Merp and derp, but it's our faces as if we're Muppets. OMG. <laughs> if we had merch, you could buy it on our website. We don't have merch, but we do have a website. What is it, Emma? <laughs> this podcast doesn't exist.com. Dot com. <laughs> now I'm just imagining, like, what is his name? Beaker? <laughs> I'm Beaker. And oh my gosh, I'm Beaker and you're the professor. Because he has the glasses. <laughs> and Beaker has the crazy eyes. It's perfect. What a self-roast. <laughs> well done. Thank you. A self-roast well done. I know. That's why I said oh, well okay. done. <laughs> wow, we got puns. We got derps uh, and merps and a website. And you can go there. Our episodes are there. You can write to us. Send us a heart fart. We love that. All of our socials are there. Follow us, like, share a TikTok, like a post, do what you got to do. I'm going to shout out to Shelby. Yay! Who every Friday within like 15 seconds of me posting the episode photos, yes. shares it to her story. Yes. And I appreciate you, Shelby. Yes. So thanks. We love you. We appreciate you. You are one of the number one pod fiends. Thank you for being a fiend. That's all I got. Yeah, I can't think of it. it. Last week was a musical episode. We can't do another one. <laughs> I feel like we've had a lot of music situations happening. Great intro and housekeeping. Done. I love that you still put it on. You still put Otherwise it on. Otherwise, I'll your forget. List. Like, we've had a website for what? Over a year. Yeah. <laughs> I still am like, guys, you'll never believe it. We have a website. <laughs> you'll never believe uh. Um. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so you joined us last week. I'm assuming. If you didn't, you should go listen to it because it was a hoot and a holler. It was a lot, yeah, but in a good way. It was it was a lot of fun, and I will say that we're recording this before it drops, um, and I still haven't touched the Bumble <laughs> situation. <laughs> yeah, Emma got scared. She sent me a screenshot. Some very seemingly nice gentleman, very sincere, like. Played along with the bit, and Emma sent me a screenshot. And was I like, panicked. I don't, I don't know what to. I uh, so she put it on like silent or whatever. No one can see her anymore. Sorry, I I panicked. I full out, flat out panicked. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. So I just I disappeared myself. I think I disappeared. <laughs> I disappeared. The Illuminati myself. came and put a bag over your head and took you off the app. I'll make it live for like the Friday, Saturday, Sunday this weekend. But when when the episode when is the out, episode yes. out, but like past I mean, that point, no. I can't promise any any kind of interaction. I'm sorry, it was so overwhelming, uh, so immediately, I did not know what to do with tell myself. Tell me you're married without telling me you're married. <laughs> you got on an app and you were like, ha, no, real people are trying to t- talk to me. And, I mean, and before it, before we started, I told them I was like, and you don't even have to maybe meet these strangers in public. And she was like, oh no, not mm-mm, no. no. And I'm like. Welcome to my life. Yeah, I am, I do not, I'm so sorry. Yeah, me too. Unless anyone that I've talked to on an app listens to the podcast. That's the only good thing that's come out of online dating, <laughs> if it if it has happened at all. At the very least, I have educated several people about the mystery of 1924 Mount Everest. Which is all, honestly, all your, your only goal in life at this point. I'm like, did you know? And they didn't find his body until 1999, and they haven't found the other one. I think China did it. I feel like it's a great vibe check. I'm normal. You are. It's, it's a great vibe check. That and, like, how do you feel about Taylor Swift? Yeah. Great vibe Even if vibe they checks. don't like her, just or if don't they're be not, a jerk like, about it. If you're not super involved, that's fine. Yeah, just be like, oh, I respect her. Uh, she's not my vibe. And yeah. that's an acceptable that's answer. Fine. But if you're like, <laughs> I'll be like, whoa, red flag, gotta go, bye. I wish you could just, like, shoom, like, like you're just you just get to a point in a conversation where you're like nope and you just like dip and then it's just like a an animated smoke cloud like the roadrunner <laughs> <Just, laughs> yeah 
Anywho, speaking of batching episodes. We were? You did. Oh. And then we, batching episodes, and then we got Oh, yes, 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 yes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Welcome down the rabbit hole. Uh, We're climbing back up out of the rabbit hole. Great. If you listen to this last episode, you'll know that Emma and I meant to record this one and her her last one on the same day. LOL, that didn't end up happening. Did not happen. But so I was like planning to do a cryptid, but then Emma said she was doing a cryptid. I was like, and she was like, where is yours? And I said, California. And she was like, mm. and I was like, never mind. I haven't started mine. You go. And she went and gave us a beautiful Thank you. Bigfoot episode. Thank you. So I went into my little ideas document. We have a shared ideas document, but I have my own little personal I one. do too. Yeah. Top secret. <laughs> Which is so funny. We're like, you don't get it. You don't get to look I at it. I took some off of our, like, mutual one to be You like, stole I claim some? it. I claim it. I claim wow. it. Well, I, I, I don't know if I actually did it for the Bigfoot one. But, like, there were some, like, the Elvis and things like that where I was like, yeah, no, these ones are mine. Sorry. These wow. ones are mine. Not that you couldn't think of them yourself, but, like. Anyway. Sorry. It's fine. <laughs> I know you don't care. Do you, I love that I'm getting fake offended when I also <laughs> oh. have a separate one. Yeah. So I was scrolling through my little document, and I clicked on this little listicle that I had saved, Mm. and I accidentally found the perfect follow-up to my last episode. Oh, the Shackleton one? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Which was so surprising. Oh? Yeah. I was like, like, I'm just scrolling. I'm like, oh, that seems cool. What's this? Let me click through and read a different article about it. Wait, who? What? What? Where? So today, Emma, I'm here to tell you all about the disappearance of the Irish crown jewels. Who? Yes. I didn't know they disappeared. I didn't know they had any. I didn't either. <laughs> that was going to be my next. So here's a little a little tantalizing quotation from Atlas Obscura. Oh, I love them. Quote. The story of this theft would eventually involve... A sex scandal, conspiracies that pointed the finger at both sides of the political spectrum, the occult, drunken pranks, bankrupt celebrities, sham trials, and an incredibly effective hush campaign from the top rung of the political ladder. Wow, I was not expecting that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, right out the gate, sex scandal. <laughs> Ba-boom. But first, you know. I gotta give you some background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a Shannon episode through and through. (laughs) The Irish crown jewels. We're not really referred to as the Irish crown jewels. Okay. Until until they went missing. Interesting. Yeah. The media kind of dubbed them the Irish crown jewels. The name, however, was technically correct. The Irish crown jewels. At the time of the theft in 1907... Ireland was still technically part of Great Britain and would remain so until 1922 following the War of Independence. Yes. These jewels, however, differed from the crown jewels with which many of us are familiar. Yeah. In Britain, the crown jewels are worn for coronations. Very big, very fancy. They're up in the Tower of London, the most exciting part of the Tower of London. You've seen that episode of Sherlock where Moriarty goes in. Duh, I think you should see me in a crown. Yeah. We love it. In Ireland, the crown jewels served as insignia of the most illustrious order of St. Patrick, the most important chivalric order in Ireland. Ooh. They were worn by the most important person in the order, which was usually the sovereign, at the order's most important ceremonies. In fact, if you didn't have the insignia... You could not have the ceremony. It was, like, not considered legitimate if you were missing the bling. Interesting. Yeah. The jewels arrived at Dublin Castle after the death of George IV, when they were returned to the state authorities by the king's last mistress, Lady Conningham. Originally, they had belonged to Queen Charlotte, wife of George III, who in 1783 had created the most illustrious order of St. Patrick, which would have 22 Irish knights. Ooh. 
you missed that chapter of Bridgerton, but it happened. Right. In 1813, when Lady Conningham gave back the jewelry, it was decided the stones should be used to create insignia for the order. Okay. The order was a members-only club founded in 1783 with the English sovereign as its head and made up of the highest-ranking members of the Irish aristocracy. Most importantly, it was a pro-unionist group, and support of the crown and its policies was a prerequisite for membership. Interesting. So, what kind of bling are we talking about? Tell me about it. The Irish crown jewels consisted of a heavily jeweled star, badge, and collars. The eight-pointed star was about four inches across, featured dozens of pristine Brazilian diamonds described that year as being of the purest water, meaning the highest quality. The diamond of the first water. Yes. That star surrounded both a shamrock made of emeralds and a cross made of rubies. Okay. Very Irish. Yes. The badge was similar. Diamonds, emeralds, and rubies set in silver. The value of the pair, according to a police notice, was, in today's money, worth somewhere north of three million pounds, or $4.5 million. Fun. Great. Yes. That's a lot of money. Indeed. So the Irish crown jewels were important as the symbol of Ireland's place within and as a part of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland. Okay. So, that's the symbolic situation. So that was the background. Mm -hmm. And now, for some context. (laughs) I love this new section that you've added. (laughs) Well, because to me, they're different. Because now, this is like the situation. Like, that's what are the duels? What's the situation leading up to the heist? Yeah, I appreciate it fully. What I find funny, though, is like, I know that I also give background on things, but... Yours is so much deeper. (laughs) You're like, no, no. We're going to spend 15 minutes because I need you to understand. I need you to get it. And I appreciate it. I fully appreciate it. Before this, you guys, we were talking about how if, you know, everyone's seen those TikToks of, you know, what would make your kidnappers give you back. (laughs) It's just, Shannon would just be the entire time, okay, but you don't understand. I need to tell you in more detail about how this group went up Everest and came back down. I need you to understand. This is what every single person, this is this is what they were doing. You need to know. And then the one guy thought he saw them, but then he went back on it years later. But, like, then they found his body in 1999, but they still haven't found the other guy. And I think China did it. But whatever. <laughs> oh, we're, we're home? Oh. Thanks for the ride. Hey, thanks for the thanks for the duct tape. Um, good luck with your life. Bye. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Truly. Truly. That would be you. <laughs> I mean, one would hope that they would return me and not just I've been watching a lot of scandal and there's a lot of people just getting murdered. That yeah. All over town, all over DC. They've gone through like four press secretaries at this point. It's it's a lot. That's anyway. a lot of press secretaries. Yeah, I mean, one got shot in an assassination attempt. <laughs> let, let, put your arms together. <laughs> this is you in the back of the of the kidnapper van. And one, she didn't actually have an affair with the president, but she said she did. So then she had to quit, and then she wrote a book about it. And then the other one got murdered, but they made it look like um, a carjacking because it was a super secret spy organization. So now we're on to number four, who used to work for Olivia Pope, but doesn't anymore. If you watch Scandal, please uh, DM me because I have thoughts, feelings, and opinions. Anyway, the situation for the Irish Crown Jewels. The Irish Crown Jewels stayed, more often than not, under lock and key. Makes sense. Yeah. More specifically, locked in the safe of West and Son, a Dublin jeweler who had been the official watchmaker of Queen Victoria. Ooh. 
He was notoriously uptight about security, allegedly to the point that he would count the spoons after royals visited to make sure that none of the spoons had gone missing. Whoa. After the royals visited? (laughs) He's like, what if the queen takes my spoons? Ooh, if I were a queen or any kind of, like, royalty or whatever, just for a thrill, I'd steal stuff. I'd do it. (laughs) Like, I could buy this, but I'm gonna steal it. Emma, that's, like, the problem with wealthy people. (laughs) Oh, no, I know. That's why I don't ever want to have any kind of large amount of money, because I know Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to do it well. No, see, I am asking (laughs) the universe, just give me the opportunity (laughs) to try to be an ethical billionaire. Yeah, I just I love the opportunity, and if I'm not worthy, like, take it away, but I just like to... I'm keeping my energies, my chakras open. I mean, I... that would be... I, I, I support you. Thanks. I support you in that endeavor. I just, I know myself. I'm already not good with money. Like, <laughs> I have to... I, numbers and I are not friends. You just so I would like, look at, I like, adopted 87 cats. Was that what I was supposed to do with the money? I think that was what I was supposed to do, right? Uh, 87 cats and I have three milkshakes and I didn't even get to drink one because then I remembered I was lactose intolerant. You still have 2.8 billion dollars left. And 2.8 milkshakes left. (laughs) If the king, queen, or their representatives visited Ireland and had reason to wear the jewels, they would be moved to a safe that sat in Dublin Castle an ancient complex that then served as the seat of government in Ireland for the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland. It's a big, scary building. Yeah. Dublin Castle was full of military and police agents as it was the headquarters of the Dublin Metropolitan Police and the safe in which the jewels were kept had only two keys. Both were entrusted to the Ulster King of Arms, 45-year-old, Sir Arthur Vickers. He had both of them? Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Why make two? He always kept one of the keys on his person. Oh, okay. With the other hidden somewhere in his Dublin home. Okay. That makes sense. Because, like, if somebody took the key, like... Yeah. Then you always have... Or, like, if he, like, fell in a river or something. Or someone, like, marked him. Yeah. Vickers didn't especially care for this aspect of his job but made do because it allowed him to continue his research regarding heraldry and genealogy. Aww. He so, was really just, like, a nerd. Yeah. Who, he was like, oh, I have to take care of these two. I, I don't really want to, but, like, okay. I just wanted to hang. I just wanted to sit and read. <laughs> Cut to mm. July 1907. The Irish International Exhibition, a grand world's fair, had opened in May and was scheduled to run through November. I wish we had world's fairs. I was just about to say that. I was waiting because I was like, maybe she has something more to say. But no, genuinely, (laughs) I, like the concept of it, uh, you know, looking back on it, a lot of it had to do with colonialism and that's an issue. But we could, we could totally do it right now. We I could mean, do it. We could do it well. We could now. go to. We could go to Epcot. Is that our world tour? Drink around the world. <laughs> All right. You know what? I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Allie, Jared, we're coming to. We're coming Please. to Florida. I've never. Like I know I've been to Epcot, but I only remember the like spacey, sciencey section when my dad and I went when I was in middle school. I don't even remember us going to World Showcase. Like when when I would watch vlogs and people going to Disney World, I'd be like. What do you mean? So you basically just went around the world. You just went into the dome. I guess. That must have just been it. My father messed up on his section of like, you know, where you get in the thing and you all have like a mission. Yeah. 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 Mission space or whatever it's called. He didn't deploy the wing flaps or whatever and we died. It was his fault. (laughs) Did you? I'm sorry. How old were you? Sixth grade. Sixth grade Shannon. And the door opens and it's just John with his shoulders forward, like kind of slumped walking out, and Shannon behind him going, Dad, that was totally your fault. You're bad. You do understand that you were supposed to be doing this. You're in the army. You failed. And being like, I you know what? It's fine. It's fine. Let's go get nice. Let's go get Dole Whip. (laughs) 
Uh, anyway, so we love a World's Fair. Let's um, go to Epcot. Just not in Chicago, because that one was nope. pretty murdery. Murdery. Although, anyway. was it? I don't know. That actually has been debated. It might be an episode, y'all. She just turned into a Muppet. I was already, I'm a merp. You're the derp. That's what we've already established. Oh, man. All right. Emma, we gotta get it together. I'm on page three of twelve. I'm so sorry. I'm him. 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 The massive event featured hundreds of exhibits and drew around 2.5 million visitors during its run. Wow, love that. King Edward VII, Queen Alexandra, and Princess Victoria were due to visit on July 10th to make an appearance at the exhibition and perform various royal duties. Stand and wave, kiss babies. The political relationship between Ireland and Great Britain was fraught, mm. with tensions in the country rising between Irish nationalists who advocated for home rule and unionists who wanted to remain completely loyal to the crown. There had already been debate about how Irish or British the international exhibition should be. They actually opted for separate pavilions for Ireland and Great Britain. I feel like that's a good idea. Yeah. On top of all the political tensions, the king's nephew, Kaiser Wilhelm II of Prussia, had just months before endured a massive political scandal. <laughs> and this is a quote from Atlas Obscura. King Edward was sensitive to controversy. He needed this visit to go smoothly, dot, dot, dot. It did not go smoothly. <laughs> I really, I really appreciate the the writers for Atlas Obscura. They have so much fun. It's Atlas Obscura, Mental Floss, and there's another really good, um, really good piece in the show notes. Hi there, Herman. Yeah. They're they're all quite detailed but funny. So just four days before the royal family's visit, the Irish crown jewels went missing. <laughs> Next chapter, the plot thickens. So, remember how I told you that the jewels were kept in Dublin Castle? Yeah. That was true, but there's a bit more context that you may find interesting. Ooh. Back in 1901, it was decided that the office of Ulster King of Arms would be moved deeper within the complex of Dublin Castle, from Birmingham Tower to Bedford Tower. Okay. Our friend Arthur Vickers was a big fan of this idea. He even recommended that he should get a free apartment in the new building and that the safe holding the jewels should be housed in a strong room. The Board of Works at Dublin Castle didn't build him a new apartment, but it liked the idea of a strong room that could hold the jewels as well as the castle's collection of valuable manuscripts. That's why you don't you don't give your ooh va- manuscripts. That's why you don't give your your best ideas before you get what you want. <laughs> like you gotta you gotta have the be like oh yeah I mean I think it's okay but you know I would really require a new apartment and then when you get the apartment then you're like. You know what? A strong room for these jewels might be a really good idea. And they're like, great idea. And you're like, thank you. (laughs) In your tiny apartment in a a gigantic castle. Uh, Like that TikTok guy that lives in the Tower of London. Yes. That's a sneak (laughs) past the tourist. It's just like. He's a comedian. (sighs) All right. So a strong room. Yeah. Great in theory. Yeah. Yes. Great in theory. The workers in charge of the renovation, however, did not follow Cheryl Warnock's edict to measure twice, cut once. For a second, I was like, there's a person called Cheryl Warnock in this? I Y'all, found she, her relatives. Cheryl is one of our one of our professors at Sweetbriar, but also one of our friends. Yes. Uh, yes. Measure twice, cut once. Yes. They did not listen to that. Obviously. When they went to bring the notoriously safe, safe... Into the newly designed strong room, they discovered that it did not fit through the doorway. That is like rule number one. So the options. They just eyed it. <laughs> the options. They could take down the walls to bring down, like to bring in the yeah, safe. Yeah, yeah. Or they could go through a bunch of diplomatic nonsense to get a new, smaller safe approved. 
that someone someone was like worming in the ear of everybody else to be like this is what you should do so here's a quote from that Louis obscura mm. vickers and the board of works decided enough was enough they opted to place the safe in the library with a sentry outside this would be this would just be temporary until they figured out a solution to the doorway problem Besides, the heavy safe wasn't going anywhere, and it was designed to be burglar-proof anyway, according to the correspondence from the chairman of the Board of Works, unquote. Okay. In 1905, Vickers wrote some revised statutes for his office, which included stipulations that the jewels must be kept in a safe, which must be kept in a strong room. So he... Adds this additional rule. Okay. But then does not do anything. You don't implement it? Vickers was very passionate about the heraldry portion of his job and sort of annoyed that he also had to guard these jewels. And he never got around to actually moving the safe from the library, which is a problem. So now he's breaking his own rule. Hilarious. The library in which the safe and the jewels resided was not hidden away in some back area of the castle. It was also the waiting room for Vickers' office, which meant that there was a steady stream of visitors hanging out in the same room as the jewels. That's... Okay. It's so weird. The library also had several doors, not all of which were guarded... (laughs) And the sentry could not actually see the safe from where he was stationed. What the? Somebody, somebody was like, it'll be fine. It's Ireland. What's the worst that can happen? Well, now we're going to talk about the heist. <gasps> Which We love a good heist. Uh, yeah. Is it, not, is it not a good one? Well, is it not really we, a heist? Well, we don't necessarily, it's not very like there was a two hour window and we had to get in it. Okay. We, okay continue. What quickly became apparent after the initial discovery of the jewel's absence was that their theft had taken place sometime earlier, possibly even weeks before, but no one had noticed. Because the safe's just sitting there. Yeah. Well, and they don't... Use, You're not checking every day. They don't day. use the jewels that often. Yeah, so you just assume Schrodinger's... Schrodinger's... Do you smell cat. toast? Are you having a stroke? <laughs> Apparently that's not a thing. Oh, that's just something from Warehouse 13 that we yeah, <laughs> made up. Yeah, that we just ingested, but like... Isn't it fudge? What is it on that show? It's fudge. Oh, it's fudge. Yeah. If you smell fudge. If you smell fudge. Um, Sorry, y'all. Yeah, I so... Schrodinger. Schrodinger's cat. And some of the articles I read, they were like, they they framed it as like the thieves returned several times to like leave clues that they had taken the show because nobody noticed. That's hilarious. Can you like, imagine? I love that idea though. So during the summer of 1907, security at Bedford Tower experienced a series of escalating incidents. They were all ignored. So the regalia were last worn by the Lord Lieutenant, the 7th Earl of Aberdeen, on March 15th, 1907, at a function to mark St. Patrick's Day. Okay. So that's the last time they were worn. The insignia were last definitively seen on June 11th, when Vickers took them out of the safe to show them to a visitor. Oh, that that also is rule number one, maybe rule number two. Dude, you don't take, you don't show people where they're at. Oh my gosh. This man, he was not built for this job. He just wants to sit in a library by himself. On June 28th, Vickers' key to the front door of the tower went missing and a guard has to let him in. Uh-oh. It would, re- his key to the front door, would reappear two days after the theft was discovered. On the morning of July 3rd, the office cleaner, Mrs. Farrell, arrived at work to find the door already unlocked. Mm -hmm. Did she? Vickers reportedly responded upon being informed of this concerning development. July 6th. 
Mrs. Farrell discovers the door to the strong room is unlocked with the keys still in the door. She writes a letter to the sentry named Stivy, Stivy, I'm assuming that's his last name. Okay. Who then informed Vickers, who did nothing. Okay, I'm starting to think Mr. Vickers is in on it. Later on July 6th, one of the knight's gold collars, usually stored in the safe with the crown jewels, is returned after being repaired by Weston's son. The jeweler. Yeah. Vickers gives Stivey the safe key and orders him to put the collar inside. When Stivey comes to unlock it, he finds it already unlocked and the jewels gone. It's fascinating to me that, like, it's in the middle of the room. Of the front room. Well, not the in the well, library. Well, but if that's, like, the space, the, like, greet, the meeting space before you go into Vickers' office or whatever. Yeah. Like... There's a lot of people in and out and no one even looked? Nope. All that was left inside the safe was the ribbon that had been attached to the badge. And this is significant because the badge had been attached to the ribbon by a hook that involved two tiny screws. These screws were not broken, indicating that the thief had taken time to detach the badge from the ribbon. So they had time. They this was there. not a smash and grab. No, they were sitting there. So just to give you a little roundup of our key situation. Okay. So there are seven, seven, seven keys to the door of the office of arms. These were held by Vickers, the sentry Stivey, the cleaning lady, Mrs. Farrell, and others who worked in the building. There were four keys to the outer strong room and two keys to the safe itself, which we already talked about. Yeah. Both of those keys were in Vicar's possession. Okay. King Edward VII was particularly furious because he was forced to cancel the investiture of the second Baron Castleton into the Order of St. Patrick, because the ceremony couldn't proceed without the jewels. Because they were very significant, it wouldn't be real unless they were there. Got it. At a time when the political situation in Ireland was becoming uneasy, the theft was a huge embarrassment to the king. Also, I just, I wonder if the second Bar- Baron Castleton ever got abducted, or if they were just like, well, the order doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> right? Like, they made fake ones out of Play-Doh. All right, next chapter. Mm -hmm. The search. When the disappearance of the jewels came to light later that afternoon, Vickers finally summoned the Dublin Metropolitan Police. Dude. They were, like, right downstairs, so. (laughs) Ah! I mean, they're housed in Dublin I know, but the fact is so... It's a good heist. It's a good heist. Uh, Investigators concluded that the locks to the front door, strong room, and safe had not been forced, indicating that the thief had the original keys or well-made copies. Mm. Chief Inspector John Kane of Scotland Yard was called in to help solve the crime, which he believed was an inside job. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning that way too now. Well, diamonds belonging to Vicar's mother were also missing from the safe. And those were valued at 1,500 pounds, which is equivalent to 160,000 pounds in 2020. Dang. So does that mean that he's innocent? Or is it simply a distraction ploy of like, my mother's diamonds were taken too. I'm a victim. Potentially. I'm a vicar's victim. Vickers was accused of being careless in his guardianship of the crown jewels. I agree. On one occasion, when Vickers was intoxicated at a party, Oh, buddy. Lord Aberdeen's son, Lord Hato, took one of the safe keys, stole the jewels, and returned them to Vickers by post as a prank. Oh, that's incredible. That is the kind of stealing I want to do. There was also another story, allegedly, that he got tipsy and passed out at the party, and they took the jewels out of the safe and put them on him. So when he woke up, he was wearing them. Also hilarious. A great prank. 
Vickers was also known to show off the regalia yep. to impress visitors, which is a no-no. Buddy. In the immediate aftermath, Arthur Vickers consulted a psychic. Ooh, I like him. I like, I I, I think that he's kind of in on it, but he's also like, witchy woo-woo, I'm, I'm here. I love it. This psychic advised him to search graveyards in the vicinity of Consola County, Dublin. Ooh. They didn't, they didn't find anything. Surprise. No. Sherlock Holmes author Arthur Conan Doyle, my buddy, a distant cousin of Vickers, even offered his assistance with the investigation and is said to have based one of his stories on the case. It was Doyle's birthday because it was also my birthday. I forgot. <laughs> Doyle and I have the same birthday. Woohoo! At the end of the case, a report written by Inspector Kane subsequently vanished. So we don't know what the Scotland Yard detective thought. Um. But someone had to pay for the theft of the jewels, which had caused considerable embarrassment to the administration. Vickers was asked to resign. Aw. But he refused. <laughs> demanding a public inquiry. <laughs> okay, I love this man. <laughs> The Lord Lieutenant instead assembled a vice-regal commission in January 1908, which sat in private, had no authority to compel witnesses to give evidence, and was primarily concerned with determining whether Vickers, quote, exercised due vigilance as the custodian, unquote, of the duels. Not without justification, Vickers was found negligent and fired from his post. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He was, however, given a full pension, which is a little bit odd when you fire someone for negligence. Yeah, that's weird. Though Vickers certainly had the most ample opportunity, there are several other suspects in the case. Which brings us to... Our theories. Yay! I'm very excited for this. This is fun. We haven't even gotten to the sex scandal. I'm so excited. <laughs> it now seems almost certain that at least part of the intention of the thieves was to embarrass the British government on the eve of a royal visit, visit to British. Ireland. That makes sense because it's like they also were like, hey, we took these. We took these. We took these. <laughs> In 1912, the London Mail suggested that a mistress of Vickers had gotten the key, taken the jewels, and fled to Paris. I mean, that sounds great. Vickers sued for libel, and the paper was forced to admit that the story was unsubstantiated and that the woman didn't even exist. Yeah. Vickers received 5,000 pounds for his troubles. Yeah. That feels appropriate, though. Indeed. In 1983, when the tower was renovated, the Chief Herald of Ireland supervised the removal of walls and floorboards all over the building. This was based on the idea that the jewels were never stolen, just hidden. Ooh. Unfortunately, the Herald's investigation turned up nothing. Aww. In 1998, the Sunday Mirror blamed the theft on the Irish Republican Brotherhood, claiming that this organization blackmailed two heralds within the castle to carry out the robbery and then murdered them. I knew we were going to go there. This newspaper article also announced that the jewels had been buried near Greystones, County Wicklow. But, okay. But they're still missing, so I'm assuming that article was incorrect. <laughs> In 2000, British television presenter Carol Vorderman tried to work out what had happened to the jewels with just as little success. <laughs> just decided? I mean, I think it was like a, you know, an oh, investigative see, series see, kind of thing. Okay. A 2002 book suggests that the jewels were stolen as a unionist plot to embarrass the liberal government and later secretly returned to the royal family. This plot hinges on the desire of the Unionists to embarrass Lord Aberdeen, 
who was a known nationalist and an advocate for home rule. The Unionists feared that home rule would result in Catholic dominion over Ireland. As Protestants, they were the minority, and they didn't, they didn't want that. They did not want a Catholic majority in Ireland. LOL. To take care of Aberdeen, they hatched a plot to steal the Irish crown jewels, which they hoped would, would, would result in his dismissal for poor management of Ireland. And then, in turn, that would taint the whole concept of home rule. If this was the case, the plan failed because yeah. Aberdeen was not blamed for the heist. Uh, but if that is what happened, the Unionists had no need for money and couldn't risk being caught with the jewels. So perhaps they hid them away where they remain safely to this day. Suspicion has also been cast on Francis Bennett Goldney a former mayor of Canterbury who held an honorary position at the Office of Arms. He was descended from a line of antiquities scholars, which made him very wealthy. His family collection, expanded by his own purchases, was very impressive. He met Arthur Vickers in 1905 at a meeting of antiquarians and outright asked Vickers for a position within the office of the Ulster King of Arms. Mm. He was officially sworn in to his new position in May 1907, just two months before the theft. Bennett Goldney is not generally seriously suspected of this crime, however, because he had an airtight alibi and was also known to be quite wealthy and not in need of the money. And would have no political reason to do it. His wealth also allowed him to subtly steer the investigation. Oh. Goldney, it turns out, was a thief, however. <gasps> After his death, it emerged that he had stolen ancient charters belonging to the city of Canterbury and a painting belonging to a duke. <laughs> Just, I'm a... I'm going to take this. I'm going to just... I'm just going to take this. this. I just want this. I mean, I did say at the very beginning of this that I would do just that. But now I really think that what I would do is I would take things and then I would slowly give them back in weird places to make people kind of think, oh my gosh, why would I put this here? Why would I... Why would I do that? But they've already bought like another ice cream scoop or whatever. Exactly. And they're like, wait a second. I thought... Okay. But remember how I mentioned that this is the perfect follow-up to my last episode? Yeah. You may be wondering how some missing jewels relate to a famous Antarctic explorer. Well, one of the suspects at the time of the jewel heist was none other than Francis Shackleton, (gasps) younger brother of Ernest. Uh Uh-oh. Francis, who went by Frank, became chummy with members of the aristocracy, despite his family's middle-class status. He carried on friendships with the likes of the ninth Duke of Argyle, brother-in-law of King Edward VII. In 1905, he was appointed to the largely honorary post of Dublin Herald by Arthur Vickers, with whom he shared a house for a number of years. According to Miles Duggan, author of The Stealing of the Irish Crown Jewels, colon, An Unsolved Crime, quote, he's on a path where if he's a good boy, which he wasn't, he will probably get a knighthood or something, unquote. (laughs) Shackleton had been trying to make his fortune through land speculation in Mexico. Wow. But police discovered that his finances were strained a plausible motive for stealing the jewels. Mm. He also stayed in Arthur Vickers' home on his trips to Dublin, making it plausible that he could have discovered or even been shown the hidden safe key and slipped away at some point to have a copy made. I feel like, yeah, Vickers would have been like, you want to see, you want to see where the jewels are? Well, and in their investigation, they looked at the locks and none of them showed scratches that are indicative of like quickly copied keys, like shoddy copy. Like these were good copies or they were the originals. originals. 
And they're not like the little keys that the TSA has to get into a, uh, into your like luggage or whatever. Mm. These are like real keys. Yeah. But building a case against Shackleton proved problematic. Mm. For one, he had an alibi. He had left Dublin for England on June 11th and returned after the theft was discovered. That didn't rule out the possibility that Shackleton had orchestrated the crime with the help of an accomplice, but investigators may have been reluctant to press Shackleton on this theory. Which brings us to our next chapter. Promptly and appropriately titled, Gay! At a time when sex acts between men were illegal in Britain, Shackleton's homosexuality was an open secret, one that was well documented by Scotland Yard. Oh no. Police may have feared he'd reveal scandalous information about prominent aristocrats in his orbit, like his friend, the Duke of Argyle, who was also rumored to be gay, or the Duke's closest friend, quote, They were roommates. They were roommates. The famous sculptor Lord Ronald Gower. Popular theory holds that one of Shackleton's alleged lovers, Captain Richard Howard Georges, carried out the crime while Shackleton was out of the country establishing an alibi. It's theorized that, given the number of militia on site at the castle, the well-known Captain Georges would not have faced many questions when he tried to gain access. He'd just be like, hey, what's up? Yeah. What you doing? You're, you have a badge? How I have you a badge. doing? Not badges, but you get it. Yeah, Uniforms. Yeah, yeah. In his book, Duggan writes that police discovered Vickers was in the habit of hosting soirees mm. at the castle with, quote, some of Dublin's leading homosexuals. <laughs> Ooh, I want that to be a title of some great collection of want, like of uh <laughs> photographs like one of those like table books i want ireland's leading homosexuals i want that to be my lower third like <laughs> one of one of the dmv's leading no. bisexuals i love it I love that's my it. claim to fame the son of the lord lieutenant who represented the king in ireland reportedly attended these parties making him another aristocrat 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 Anyway, the son of the Lord Lieutenant, he went to these parties, making him another aristocrat with potentially damaging connections to the heist. (laughs) The king's secretary was made aware of, quote, scandalous conduct, unquote, at the castle, according to Duggan. And some have theorized that Edward VII stepped in to prevent any revelations from becoming public. Perhaps this is why Inspector Kane's report on the investigation mysteriously vanished upon its conclusion. Just nick that. Yep. Make it disappear. Gay allegations continued to circulate even after some time had gone by. Officials may have hoped that heaping blame on Vickers would put the debacle at Dublin Castle to rest following the conclusion of the Vice Regal Commission and they were successful in keeping any whiff of a gay scandal out of the Irish press. Across the pond, however, shocking allegations were percolating. On July 4th, 1908, a damning headline graced the front page of the Gaelic American, an Irish-American newspaper. Gaelic. Abominations of Dublin Castle Exposed. Get read all about it. Gaelic. Gaelic. The article proceeded to name Frank Shackleton as, quote, either the thief or a party to the theft of the jewels, unquote. Uh-oh. Since his appointment to the Office of Arms, the piece contended, quote, rumors began to circulate in Dublin that there were nightly orgies at the castle in which several prominent government officials were mixed up, unquote. Mixed up. They chose to be there. Those whispered stories, the article asserted, were true but had been hushed up under the direction of Edward VII. The piece was published anonymously, but it is known to have been written by Bulmer Hobson. 
Yep. I love the way you read names. <laughs> Bomber. Bomber Hobson. A journalist and influential member of the Irish Republican Brotherhood, which Uh-oh. sought to establish an independent Republican government. Hobson did not name his sources, but later revealed that the information came from Pierce O'Mahony. Hey! A nationalist politician and Vickers' half-brother. Uh-oh. Hobson's objectives in publishing the expose were undoubtedly political. Quote, What he really was trying to show was that the British were evil and wicked. Unquote. Writes Brian Lacey, author of Terrible Queer Creatures, Homosexuality in Irish History. Oh, that sounds like a fun book. Or a sad book. I mean, yeah, interesting is what I yeah. mean. Not fun. Interesting. There you go. Lacey thus suspects that the nightly orgies Hobson describes with a sensational flourish were more likely, quote, relatively nice drinks parties in which guests may have camped it up a bit, unquote. That sounds like a, f- like a fun party. Yeah. It's just a, that's just a party. You ever really. been to a cast party? Hey! After a musical. It's all camp. My God. <laughs> Darling, we're all born naked. The rest is it's just, just drag. <laughs> but Miles Duggan is more inclined to accept Hobson's allegations. Quote, I don't think they're outlandish at all, he says, because it wouldn't have been the first time. <laughs> Which I'm like, okay. Oh? I mean. What do you know that we don't? Right? <laughs> As for Frank Shackleton, Mm -hmm. some believe that he stole the jewels because he was being blackmailed regarding his homosexuality. Whether it was due to blackmail or poor finances, he remains a likely culprit to many. He declared bankruptcy in 1910, owing 85,000 pounds, well over $10 million in today's money. He fled to Portuguese West Africa, but was there accused of cashing a widow's check, sent back to London, and sentenced to 15 months of hard labor in 1912. Eventually, he changed his surname to Meller and settled in Chichester, where he ran an antiques business. But yeah, he changed his name and moved in with his sister and he died poor. So, Oh, buddy. Yeah. Other theories include that the theft was committed by a Republican group, that Lord Hato may have been involved, that the theft was arranged by the monarchy, and that the jewels form part of the badge Queen Queen Elizabeth II wears that features Indian diamonds. This last theory, however, has been disputed by Buckingham Palace. Of course. I mean, she, she would never admit. No. Whatever the case, the jewels have never been rediscovered. And likely never will be, as it would make sense to dismantle the insignia into smaller parts to avoid detection and attain additional funds. So, yet again, we may not ever have answers. I am interested to know. So, what was the year that Shackleton went on his trip? So, yes, while I was doing my research, I thought you might ask this. Yes. So... In, 19, in January 1907, he announces his second expedition, which is the Nimrod. Yeah. Which he, I think, was already in progress mm-hmm. by the time that this happened in July of 1907. Okay, so he wasn't around. No. Okay. Because they left from, like, New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had to get, get to there. New Zealand in order to be in the Antarctic by January 1908. So, yeah, like, he gets back from his failed expedition and is, like... He's, like, I've done this amazing thing. Family. Oh, well, this was the second thing. The the third one oh, was never the mind. endurance. Yes, but yes, yes. It was also... Yeah, but just coming back and be like, bro, I was gone. What? Half a year. You gave eight what? months to mess your life up. What yeah. are you doing? But yeah, I was shooketh when I was like, ooh, I didn't know Ireland had crown jewels. Oh, wait, who's the su- Who's the suspect? Sir Shackleton? Wait a second. Well, not sir. He wasn't a sir. His Mis- brother was a Mr. sir. Mr. Shackleton. Mr. Frank Shackleton. Frankie. Frankie. But yeah. Awesome. Very, I mean, it had everything. 
It really did. It had a heist. It had the gay agenda. The gay agenda. <laughs> what else could you possibly need? Honestly, you need nothing else. So, except a heart fart. A mailbag moment. Yeah. Let me go through the gay agenda to find our next one while you while you play the thing. While you roll the tape. Roll the tape. Alright, y'all, we're back. Welcome to Hi. Mailbag Moment. Woohoo! Woo woo! And I will say, guys, this is our last mailbag moment. Yeah, much like the Irish Crown Jewels, this segment could disappear forever unless yeah. you send us your notes. Yeah, give us some heart farts to read if you feel. But this one, this last one, of course, is from Haley. Woo! It is the subject line is my wish name. I don't know what that means, and I'm excited. I think, did we ask them, like, when you were in middle school, did you ever wish, that, oh, like, what your yes, because I wanted my middle name to be my first name, and yeah. it lasted for about, like, half a day, because <laughs> no everyone refused to call me Christine. Anyway, Haley writes, when I was in middle school, early high school, I would post poetry to the now defunct website poetry.com under pseudonym Henry Young. I did this because I was obsessed with female authors that would publish under a male name. Me too. Me too. For them, it was because of sexism in the literally, I'm, I'm guessing you meant literal world at the time, but for me, it was for gender. But the way that they, that they put gender, it's in like a different font, and I don't know how you did it. Gender. Gender. <laughs> Now, as a capital A adult, though, I wish I could change my name to Robin Holloway. I mean, I guess I legally can, but that's capital E expensive. <laughs> and I'm also fond of Haley and being a Haley. <laughs> Much love from the Librinary. <laughs> love you. Thank you, friend. Thank you so much. Thanks, friend. We love you. We appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks for being our last, unless someone else decides to write in. I mean, Ruth, you, you did say you were going to write some more in, so. But maybe the investigation hasn't proceeded. I mean, maybe. Okay, but here's the thing, friends. We will take anything. Truly. Like, is it a suggestion? Is it a spooky thing? What's your diner order? Like. Yes, what's your diner you, order? Where do you listen? Have you attempted to share our podcast with someone. How did it go? Literally just anything. How's, Guys, what did you have for breakfast? Have you been <laughs> hydrating? <laughs> Shannon just wants to know if you're okay. Are you okay? <laughs> but guys, literally. Are we really friends? If, if, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm annoying. I'm annoying. I'm so annoying. But like, are we friends? I, uh, sorry. I'll get, I'll get, I'll get out of the Uber. It's fine. It's not get out of the Uber. <laughs> Guys, if, if you need a goal, if you're a goal oriented person like me, yeah, if you same. need, if you need a goal, have your goal be to scare me. Like, it's easy to scare Shannon. Don't. Scare me. I hate I'll it. read it. I'll read it. If it ends up being that I have to read all of the scary, I will. I'll do it. I'll take. But we I'll won't know that they're scary. Put it, put it in the subject line, please. <laughs> but if you, if you need a goal, there you go. You've got one for, for me. If you need a goal for Shannon, do a quick little, like, hey, I was once in a cult. Here we go. Don't make it quick. <laughs> Do you want to be on the podcast? We can guest steps. Whoop, whoop, whoop. We love that. And we love you. And we really want to hear from you. Please. So write in. Or else. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what came over me. I don't either. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, my friends, remember. This podcast doesn't exist. Ooh, we held out that tea. <laughs> We're also making very intense eye contact. Uh, I don't know why. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. I love you. <laughs>